Welcome back. Richard, it's good to see you this morning. Hey, you know, um, I was going to say the same thing. I didn't see much of you this week. I know. Yeah, the, the past week and a half. For those who, who watched us on YouTube, they saw that, um, you know, the last couple of weeks, uh, that both podcasts, we were, we were dressed in, in very similar clothes in both. That's because we recorded both podcasts at the same time. Right. Uh, because there's this interesting week that happens in January where um, we, you and I both have our birthdays and both of us have sons that have their birthdays all within a five day period, six day right. period. And yeah. um, it's uh, so, yeah, we were in and out and all over the place over the last couple of weeks. Or right. So. That January, uh, there's there's a string of birthdays in January, not just Martin Luther King and Benjamin Franklin, but a lot of other famous people like you and I and uh, our kids, <laughs> and, you know, yeah. um, but it's good to see you. I, I don't know. I lost track of you this week for some reason that we um, I guess everybody's been very busy and going about we've almost used up the month of january i see yes yes this is the last weekend of january and um we're just just moving right along into uh 2024 so right and most of us have dropped our new year's resolutions by now oh yeah giving those away you know they're gone late january most of them are gone so those are long memories we should talk about 2024 sometime because i think people i think people i'm talking to at least are feeling that they want to accomplish something this year, not not as a resolution, but it's just that feeling that people want to accomplish. I think they're coming out of the post-COVID fugue, and and uh, so one of these weeks we ought to talk about twenty twenty four and how to how to manage this year, how to plan for this year. Sure, I think that's that'd be a great topic. Yeah. Um, today we're going to talk about something that will help us remember to mm-hmm. to do a podcast on that, and that is memory. Right. Talked a little bit about memory because we we read this interesting article um, called "How to Remember Things Better: uh, The Science of Why We Lose Stuff and Forget Stuff and Simple Ways to Boost Your Brain Power." It's a it's an article by Lisa Bain, right. uh, and but she's was also talking to a Dr. Lisa Genova who wrote mm-hmm. the book, and I love the title of the book: "Remember: The Science of Memory and the Art of Forgetting." And right. I think that uh, it sounds like a very interesting book. But in, in this interview, they talk about memories and how memories are made. And and uh, so we thought it would be a really great bit of information to share with our listeners. Right. Um, the, I love that the subtitle is The Science of Why We Lose Stuff and Forget Stuff. And in this article, those two things are talked about because everybody begins to worry about either they or their parents or grandparents, we all worry about losing stuff. I can't find my keys. I forgot where I parked my car. Um, it's happened to all of it. You know, you walk out of the grocery store and you cannot remember where your car is. Um, and, and so we begin to worry about that. So why do we lose stuff, keys, cars, other possessions? And why do we forget stuff? Why do we forget to do things? And this author gives us two very good explanations for those things, which will put begin to put your mind at rest. It's probably not dementia. It's probably just the way the brain works. Yeah, and I think that the, the best place to start with this is to talk about how memories are made to right. begin with. And, mm-hmm. you know, there, there are a lot of, there, there's a lot of misunderstanding out there about how, how the brain works anyways. And, and we'll begin this with really, 
I don't know that we really know how the brain works. It, we just know that it does for most people. Uh, we know that it um, interprets information that we receive from our environment. Mm -hmm. And um, it interprets that, it, it, it processes that information, interprets it and stores it. Um, but it's not a passive recorder. And I, and I think that that's something that people really need to to consider for a few minutes. It doesn't just record just for this. It's not like you you press record and it's recording everything that's going on around you because there is so much stimuli um, around you at any period of at any moment of time. Right. There's just no way that it could record everything. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. It's um, yeah. There's millions of bits mm -hmm. of information and it, it couldn't just be a passive recorder just recording everything. That's right. And we teach it and teach it and teach it in our courses that the brain, it, it seems like it's recording. It seems like it's storing a video or an audio recording. And you have many people who will say, no, I remember exactly what you said. And don't ever say those words because you don't tape record another person. Right. You build. And I think that's the first and most important lesson here is that our brains are not recording devices. They don't record audio and video. You build memories. It's an effortful process where you build memories. But the memory is not in pictures and words. You build a tiny microcircuit. You know, think of a circuit board in a computer. You're building those little circuits in your brain. The brain doesn't do words and pictures. It does mini circuits, these little microcircuits. And each microcircuit is a memory. And if you think of it that way, it'll help you It'll help you uh, to store and retrieve. Okay? But, but don't think of it as a recording device. Absolutely. It's just stimuli coming into your into your brain. And, and then it's in that we go through a process of interpreting it and, and making, making sense of it. And so, as I said, you know, there, there's far more information going on um, and, and available to us than we can possibly deal with. Right. Um, you know, mm -hmm. if you, if you're thinking about everything from your five senses, you're thinking about all of the internal emotions and, and experiences you're having, the, the interpretation of language and sounds, you know, when you combine all of these things, it is far too much information for us to be able to deal with. And so our, our brain truly works to ignore most of it. That's you know? right. That's that, that's what it's good at. Right. It has to be good at ignoring because even you and I do this very early in the morning. The office is empty right now. Right. It's dark outside. OK. Even in this very isolated situation where there's nobody else in the office there's it's dark outside we can't see anything our brains are being bombarded by stimulation there's light right. and sound and um there's all now fill up this office in the daytime and you multiply that many times over right so all this sensory information is flooding it comes into the back of your brain you couldn't possibly attend to all of it and, and this is where we, we throw in a little bit of information about like ADHD because, uh, yeah. because those of us with ADHD struggle because yes, our brains are, are typically really good at ignoring all of that extraneous information, all those <laughs> extraneous stimuli. But those of us with ADHD, our brain struggles with that. We're not as good. We're not as good with that. Mm -hmm. And so, as you said, you know, you have the lights and the sounds and the temperature in the room and everything that we're doing right now. 
but we also have the the fish tank that makes noise <laughs> sounds in the in the waiting room that is hard to ignore. You have and the you know, owls, the <laughs> owls outside the window that that keep right. making their sounds, and it you, we have to work it like as you said, it's an effortful process mm-hmm. to to focus and to pay attention so that you can form those memories right and ignore the extraneous stimuli so that you can focus on what you need to focus on. That's right. So the the first step in remembering something is you get you have all these sensations bombarding your brain. Well, then the next step in the process is you have to perceive them as being meaningful. There right. are some sounds that are meaningful, like words and um, people's faces, and there are other sounds, um, the buzzing of an air conditioner or the buzzing of neon lights that are not important, and so you you get rid of those. Right. So first of all, you have sensation, and then you have to perceive that some are meaningful. Mm-hmm. And then the third big thing, what, the, what this woman calls the golden ticket, I guess that's a reference to Willy Wonka. Yes. The golden ticket is attention, that you at- we attend to some things that we decide are important. And we <laughs> dump everything else, and we focus, like this morning, I'm dumping everything else that's coming in, except that I'm listening to what you're saying. Right. I'm attending to what you're saying. Exactly. And, and I think that, that that process is, again, very easy for some people, and it's it's much more, more challenging for, for right. other people. And, you know, you, you have, but you have to go through that process to be able to even get to the point where you can store something into memory and, um, and, so that you can then retrieve it and, and access it later. But also remember that that perception piece, this is why sometimes, you know, sometimes people will come in and they'll say that they're hearing voices and you say, well, w- w- tell me, tell me what you're experiencing. Well, sometimes I'm sitting in my room by myself and I'll just hear somebody say my name. Mm-hmm. Well, you no, know, what, what it is is that your brain is picking up on sounds, something going on around you. Right. And it, as you said very well, it, it does a really good job of trying to figure out what sounds make sense. Right. It's not random, it's, it's not, not random noise. audio, it's audio yeah. that has a particular pattern to it. And if our brain hears that particular pattern, our brain will say, oh, that sounds like your name. Um, somebody may be calling you or somebody may be saying your name. And so we need to shift our attention to whatever that is. Um, and we listen and then there's nobody there. We think, wow, that was weird. Sound like somebody called my name, but it, it wasn't that you're hearing voices. It, it's not that you that somebody was calling your name. It's that your brain interpreted that based upon the pattern of sounds that it received from the environment. Right. That's right. And, and that happens happens to me all the time. I'll hear and I'll hear and I'll know the person using my name. You know, and that person isn't even here. Right. Uh, anymore. And I'll, I'll very distinctly hear my name and think, wow, that was, and you're right. That was weird. Yeah. But I'm, I don't, I'm not, it's not an auditory hallucination in right. that sense of the word, but it's this attention piece. That's, that's absolutely vital because once you decide that something is important, you attend to it mm-hmm. and then you make a second decision. And the second decision is, do I want to remember this? Right. Because if you decide that you want to remember it, then the brain goes through a very effortful, and I underline effortful process of 
taking it from the front part of your brain, the frontal lobe of your brain, where this information is, and you say, oh, this is something I want to remember. And then your brain transfers that to another structure in the brain. And when it gets to that structure, a transformation occurs. And now that's the part of your brain that builds that tiny microcircuit that we're talking about. Right. But that takes effort. It does take effort and it doesn't do it again. We have to, we have to kind of break away from, from this, the, the simplicity that we, we try to use when we think about these things. It doesn't take this memory of, okay, so this is, you know, January 27th at 5.30 a.m. And I'm going to put that right there in my brain for memory storage. As a, as a picture, you mean? Right. Or, or yeah. as a video or anything. What right. it does is it takes, okay, here's some audio. We'll put that audio over there. Here's some here's some images, some some things that you are are seeing and, you know, the, the facial expressions and the emotions that that we're showing. We're going to put that part over here. We're going to put this part over here. And it stores different things in different areas of your brain. It's not like it's just a filing cabinet that all of this information goes in one place and there it is. Right. Um, it gets scattered around because that's how our brain organizes it. Right. Yeah. You tend to store things where you first had the sensation. Right. So if it's something you saw, there's a particular part of your brain. And so the visual part goes there. If it's something you hear, that's a different part of the brain. And that stuff goes to another part of the brain. And so you have these snippets, these pieces, these these little micro pieces of information that are stored all over the brain. Okay. And so first of all, you have to get these words and pictures into these little circuits, mm-hmm. then store those circuits somewhere in the brain. And then the last step is retrieval. Right. So now you've stored the little electrical circuits. You have your little circuit board there. And you have these little circuits. And now it's time to, oh, yeah, what? How? Do, and you try to retrieve it. I, I think that that's where it's important to, to that's why we say that you know different pl- things different pieces of the memory are stored in different places because how many of us have had that sensation where we th- where we think you know man it's like I can hear the person saying it I can hear the words that they said but I can't I can't remember who said it you know you can't you can't put the image of the person's face connected to the audio that you hear of their of their voice saying the words and, and so because you're trying to pull that information from different parts of your brain, it's not coming together in the way that's helping you remember certain aspects of the memory, but it's because it's in different places. And as you said, doing retrieving that information from storage is a whole other process to putting it in there to begin with. Right. Um, And before we leave storage, one of the things we teach um, in, in uh, when we teach teachers, one of the things we tell them when we talk about memory <clears throat> is that if you want to remember something, if you want to commit it to memory, you have to do something to that information. And it usually takes around five attempts, mm-hmm. uh, five practice sessions, if you will, mm-hmm. to remember something. So if you're learning the multiplication tables and you get to eight times seven, most of us <clears throat> can't learn that just doing it one time. Right. Most of us have to practice that repeatedly before it becomes 
before before it becomes a memory, before it becomes a circuit. And you need to remember that, that one trial learning is very unusual. Right. Typically, it takes a lot of practice. And that's what you have to tell kids is, no, you're not going to learn it by looking at it once. You're going to have to do it at least five times. Some of us have to do it more than five times. Some yeah. of us have to do fewer. But it takes effort. Right. Once it's stored, and I like the way you put that, that happens to me all the time with actors. Mm -hmm. You can visualize the actor's face and the movie, but you can't remember the name because the name is somewhere else right. in your brain. You, you've stored that in a different place. Right. The vision you stored and you were able to retrieve it, the name is stored somewhere else and it wasn't strong enough for you to activate that neural circuit because right. it's in a different place and it doesn't have the, it's not as robust. Right. Yeah. And I'm, I know that I'm horrible with that because I have such, a, I have a really difficult time remembering people's names. Mm -hmm. I, um, I, I, if I see you, I will remember you. And in fact, if I see you, I will remember our conversations. I'll remember things right. that you shared with me. And, and this happens with patients all the time. I'll remember almost every story that a patient tells me as soon as I'm mm -hmm. sitting down with them. But man, I am just, for whatever reason, um, I'm not good at remembering their names. But but think of it, Bertie. When somebody comes up to you, I met a fellow last night. Um, Hi, my name is Bob. That's one, that's one time I've heard that. If I don't keep rehearsing that, if I don't think about that and store Bob somewhere and associate it with that face, I'm not going to remember his name because right. I've only heard it one time. Right. And you have to do it repeatedly. That's what practice is about. That's what rehearsal, that's what doing your homework is that practice session over and over and over. And then you make memories. Yeah. So, so we, we have the information in, stored and now we need mm -hmm. to retrieve it. And again, to retrieve it, that's where we are now diving in and, and mining our, our, um, you know, those deep, recesses <laughs> of our brain to, to retrieve information out mm -hmm. it's not a this is again an effortful process we, we have to sometimes work to to make these memories sometimes memories are automatic you know and this is where like trauma comes into play right. where um an experience is sort of um just really burned into your brain to where anything that resembles that memory your brain goes on to high alert and warns right. you that, oh my gosh, the last time you were in a situation like this, you were traumatized in some way. And right. so we need to be careful. So we need to get out. And that's PTSD. That's, mm -hmm. you know, that's um, the fight or flight response to things. Right. Um, most of our memories, thankfully, do not do that. Right. Um, but it makes it harder sometimes to retrieve other memories because we have to do that effortful process of, working to to remember the the time and place and where we were and what was happening so that we could pull the the correct or the 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 most correct information we can from those memory storages that's right right so if you think of memories as these scattered bits of information in the top of the brain it's in the top layer of the brain in the cortex retrieval is reactivation mm -hmm. okay you're not again you're like you said you're not opening a file drawer and taking out the video, right? You're, you're trying to you're trying to reactivate these electrical circuits. I think of it as a flickering neon light. You know, we've all had that experience where the lights trying to go on, trying to go on, trying to go on. 
And that's what it's like trying to reactivate these circuits. And sometimes it comes right up. And other times you just can't, that light just won't go on um, when you want it to. So, but the more you practice, the easier it is to reactivate that circuit. The problem with storage and retrieval is that there are many things that can get in the way of either storage or retrieval. And I think that's the other thing. Once you understand how memory works, what gets in the way and what should we do about it? Absolutely. And and one of the first things, one of the, the big things really that we really have to think about with that is, is just distractions. And, and and this is why, you know, when you and I have both worked in the in the legal field um, in forensic psychology um, for a while. And, and this is one of the things that makes testimony in, in, in legal cases so difficult because we think that our memories are very sound and solid and right. we go in with a great deal of confidence. But the reality is, is that anything that happens after an event becomes a distraction that's going to potentially influence how you receive, how you remember that event. Right. Think mm-hmm. about a, a situation. And I was talking with a family yesterday about this. The uh, They were talking about an incident with their kid at, um, at school and the dad is talking about it. And he says that, and the other student was this particular student. And the mom says, nope, it wasn't that student. It was this other student. Right. And he says, oh, no, I think it was that student. And mom says, no, it was this other student. Because remember, that student was in pre-K with him. And he goes, oh, no, I thought that it was this other student. So all the memories and everything that happened after the event that they were talking about starts to influence the way that we remember that that target memory. And, right. and so distractions become a profound influencing um, factor when it comes to how we are remembering things and what we remember and how we remember it. Right. Yeah. And distractions, many different types. But remember that life is like a three ring circus. There's all kinds of stuff going on. I mean, mean, imagine a busy classroom, you know, and and these kids are trying to sort out all that's being said and done and people are moving around. There are all kinds of distractions that get in the way. Um, There's always too much information to attend to. We talked about the flood of information come into your brain all day long. Um, there's just too much information. And then the other thing that life is really like a cocktail party. You know, you go to a party and you hear all these conversations and you're trying to listen to more than one conversation. That's all distraction. That's that's what life is really like. Um, and the other, the other form of distraction is what people refer to as multitasking. Right. People really believe they can multitask, that they can do more than one thing at a time. And that's just not how the brain works. You can switch quickly. Some people can switch very quickly from, you know, we talk about keeping kids do this all the time. They're doing their homework, but they have tabs open at the bottom. And so when parents leave, when their parents leave the room, they bounce down to a tab and they start playing a video game. Parent returns, they shut, they switch back to their homework from the video game. Um, That's, that's multitasking, but you're doing it very quickly. You're not, you're not watching, you're not playing a video game and doing your homework. You can only do one or the other. Right. Okay? And so people don't multitask. Um, and if, and, and trying to multitask, it means you have at least divided attention and inadequate attention, and that's going to diminish your memory. Right. Absolutely. Now, in addition to distractions, you have other lifestyle things 
Yeah. I can influence how well we remember and can retrieve information. And that is, you know, when we're too, when we're sleep deprived or when we, um, you know, when we have been sedentary too long or we don't exercise and some of those things. And, you know, obviously in just a moment, when we get to how to improve your memory, we're going to address these specific things again, but too little sleep, poor diet, not enough physical activity, all of these things we know negatively influence um, our ability to remember when we, when those areas are unhealthy, you know, when we're not eating well, when we're not moving, our, our memory suffers. Yeah, there's something about movement, and I, I just don't know that literature well enough, but there's something about movement that enhances attention and memory. And I don't know whether it's you're refreshing your brain, you know, getting rid of the cash, you know, emptying out the, I don't know what it does, but I think one of the best thing, one of the best things that happened to children and adults with ADHD about a decade or 10 or 12 years ago, we discovered that children with ADHD learn better when they move. Right. And so all these ADHD kids whose parents said, no, sit still so you right. can learn it. No, right. move around so you can learn it. Okay? Right. And it was such a blessing for kids with ADHD because finally they were allowed to move around because that's how they learn better. They're walking around the table doing the multiplication tables or learning their sight words or learning their spelling words. The more they move, the better, the better their memory. Absolutely. So let's talk about a few ways to improve your memory, um, some little strategies that you can use. The, the first is to use the cues that are around you. And, you know, it, Rich, again, we both worked in schools. How crazy does it make you when a student, when students are used to taking, doing all their schoolwork in a particular classroom, right. a, sometimes in a particular desk. And, you know, I know that students hate assigned seats, but we there is a reason that for the most part, you sit in the same place every time you go somewhere. There's a reason why, you know, even if the seats aren't assigned, you say, oh, no, that's my seat. I always sit there. Right, right. We do that because sitting in the same place, being in the same room, those cues around you help you remember. Right. And so, you know, it, it is such a disservice to students if you teach them in one classroom, but then you test them in a different classroom. I hated when that happened in college. It makes me crazy. You'd sit in this room and learn everything and then say, oh, we're going to have a test in the auditorium. And I oh, and I didn't know why I didn't like doing that. I, I know that I, I knew that I did better. I didn't know why that happened. Right. But you're right. You 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 because those were all the cues that you used to remember stuff. Right. Right. Because you'll sit there and you'll think, OK, I was sitting here and the teacher said, you know, this and this. And then they put that on the board. And it's like you're working again. These are all the cues and strategies that you're using to retrieve those memories. Um, but if you're in a completely different setting, you're not going to remember it. You don't have the cues. Yeah, I remember when he was talking about that, he was on that side of the room looking out the window. And then you start to jog your memory. Right, right. So but if you're in a room with no cues, windows, you have no cues. Exactly. So using the cues around you is really uh, a really important way and, mm -hmm. and effective way to, to store and retrieve um, memories. Yeah. Uh, but the second, as you said, the second one is, is attention. You get right. attention. <laughs> Bernie, <what? laughs> all you have to do is land at an airport at two o'clock in the morning and forget where your car is. That'll happen to you one time because you're walking around that parking lot. And you have no idea where your car is. Right. <laughs> then when you, okay, let's take our keys. Let's take my glasses. I wear these glasses. I take them on and off. When I put my glasses down, 
I take them off and I put them on the desk. I'm not making a memory of putting them down. Right. And that's why I can't remember where I put them. I had now when I put them down, I put them in the same place so that I can find them. Right. But unless you're consciously thinking and making a memory of where your possessions are, where your car is, where your glasses are, of course, you're going to forget. Right. Not because you have Alzheimer's. It's not because you, you're over 50 years old. It's because you didn't make a memory of that. Right. So pay attention and make a memory, and then you won't forget where your glasses or your keys are. Don't just drop right. them on the counter because you're not going to remember. Absolutely. And what goes along with that is the, the third strategy, and that is to, to write it down. And yeah. you know, you're not going to write down everywhere you put your, your glasses. Of course, we're not talking about right. that necessarily. But when you have something that you need to remember, write it down. If you, you're trying to remember someone's phone number or you're trying to remember, you know, oh, when I get home, I need to do this. Write it down and, um, you know, put it in your pocket or something. And and this is a thing that I, I think that I think where electronics are, are messing us up a little bit, you know, how many you'll say you might say, hey, Siri, remind me when I get home to do this. And so that's great. Siri mm -hmm. will remind you and you, you'll right. you'll get that reminder when you get home. Um, but if you don't have it, sometimes we, we try to type a little reminder into our phone or something like right. that. But the the physical act of writing has right. been shown in research to significantly influence memory. Right. The physical act of having a pen in your hand and writing down the, 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 the information um, many times you don't even need to go back to look at the note that you wrote. It's just for some reason, that physical activity of writing it down significantly improves your ability to remember that information. That's right. Two things are happening here. First of all, when you say, you know, I have to remember to stop at the store I, or I have to remember to pick up printer ink. OK, so you do that. You tell yourself that at nine or nine thirty in the morning. Say, oh, I've got to stop at, at home. Good. I've got to stop somewhere. Our brains aren't very good at that. It's called prospective memory. And, and yeah. the brain just isn't very good at making a memory at nine, making a decision at 930 that you're going to do at six o'clock. OK, we just aren't good at that. If you write it down, you're making the memory stronger. Remember, we said you have to do something five times. Right. Well, now you've told yourself. Now you remind yourself. Now you've written it down. Now you're starting to build a memory. OK, because but you also have a piece of paper stuck to your door, a post-it note that says stop at the store on the way home and get these items. So we're not good at remembering to do things in the future. The brain just isn't very good at that because the brain does what right. it's doing immediately. But also writing it down um, is another way of practicing and rehearsing and building a stronger memory. Uh, absolutely. Now, as I uh, alluded to a, a few moments ago, there are some lifestyle changes. You know, so, yeah. Exercising, you know, again, it's just important that we move for our brain to make some of these connections, um, getting right. enough sleep, um, mm -hmm. eating well, uh, de-stressing, meditation, those kinds of things help. And, and as you said, you know, stop trying to multitask, focus on what you got to do, get that done, and then move on to the mm -hmm. next thing and right. get one thing done at a time is going to be much more efficient and it's going to help you form those memories better. Right. Yep. You know, like everything else that we talk about, eat well, sleep well, exercise, all that stuff enhances memory. If you're, if, 
you have to do those sorts of lifestyle changes. You have to make those changes. So you de-stress. You know, we learned years ago that if you're stressed, you produce cortisol. Cortisol gets in the way of memory. Okay, so stress affects memory. Um, you know, we talk, talk about test anxiety. You know, that that's what it is. So the anxiety interferes with memory. And so exercise, sleep well, eat well. Don't try to multitask. Um, as you said, I think it's really good advice. Focus on one task, get it finished, then move on to the next task. Absolutely. So, all right. So in, in summary, remember that your memory, it's not just basically a, a recording. It's we, we take all these little bits of information, but it's an effortful process that requires attention. It requires right. focus. It requires, you know, making it important in some way. And, mm-hmm. you know, and attention is usually that key. Right. Um, and then we to retrieve it, we have to reactivate it. We have to right. you know, use the cues around you. Um, you know, eat well, sleep well, do all those things to help improve our ability to to form and retrieve uh, memories. Um, but that's a daily process. That's right. So remember that you're reactivating, you're pulling all those pieces together, and then you're creating a picture or a word. But you're you're not retrieving a picture or word. You're recreating that after you get the little neural circuits put together. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And just be a little bit humble when it comes to how confident you are with your memories as well. Just, you know, don't, don't go out there and, and be like, Oh no, I remember exactly how it happened. <laughs> no, no, don't say that. Memory doesn't work exactly like that. So don't say those words. Exactly. So, all right. That's it for today. Until next time, stay happy, stay healthy and forget to be afraid.